Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Welcome, welcome, Newsbusters listeners. You are listening to the Newsbusters podcast on this Friday in early December. Uh, boss Tim Graham is enjoying a day off, so you're here with your managing editor, that's me, Curtis Houck, and your associate editor, Nick Fondacaro. What's going on, Nick? Going on, no, everything's going on right now. We got a busy time. Twitter's dropping stuff. Um, the views saying stuff. We got Kristen Cinema. Otherwise known as a day that ends in a Y. Yeah, Kristen Cinema swapping parties and stuff. We got a whole bunch of crazy things going on. Oh yeah, I mean, and Nick and I were on uh, Newsmax earlier today together since yep. uh, Tim was off. Uh, although we were together on right after Thanksgiving as yep. well. So. Uh, we notice, yes, that more of you are turning to Newsmax, and we appreciate that, uh, <laughs> as well as, uh, in addition to Fox News that you see us, so, uh, yeah, we appreciate hearing from all of you. So, as Nick said, we got a lot to talk about today, but first, of course, we're going to talk about the Twitter files. So, just so everybody knows, you know, we're going to talk about this from our media angle. This began about a week ago, finally. I mean, Nick, it feels like a yeah. It feels like years ago, but yeah, here it that, goes. That, that's just the things in this business. Yeah, that's the things in this business. So it came out, uh, started being released by Matt Taibbi last Friday. And, uh, you know, where we are in terms of the network scorecard right now is ABC, World News Tonight and Good Morning America, zero. NBC Nightly News and Today Show, zero. CBS Evening News, zero. CBS Mornings, 26 seconds on this fine set of documents that revealed that Twitter employees were really kind of making it up as they went along. I, I feel like that was kind of the sense with New York Post reporting when that came along. What Matt Taibbi was able to reveal is there were some hangups with that, as a lot of you know. He revealed that Twitter employees really didn't quite know what they were going doing. They didn't really know the hacked rationale. Is that really going to work? We don't know. Well, let's just do it anyway. Basically just like doing an action and then trying to justify it long after the fact, even though there's like some people internally going, this really doesn't fit it, but I guess we're going to need to do it just because we, we need to, to give some reason. Even though a lot of people are going to be really, really mad at us. Uh, and so... CBS Mornings is 26 seconds on Monday dealt with Robert Costa seizing on Trump's dumb post on True Social, questioning that the Constitution and all sorts of rules, claiming that he should be reinstalled as power, the last two years wiped out. I guess we should all get into the time machine. Go back in time. Okay, every nation on Earth, we're going to need to... Everybody, roll back your economies two years. Everybody, Putin, back up and try again. <laughs> back up and try again. Just hold on a second. So, as usual, the media, you know, they did cover a story. So you could say that Trump baited them into covering it. Yeah. But that was not the point. The point of it, of CBS's story, was the Republicans are silent on this constitutional, quote-unquote, termination instead of the actual point being twitter um, deliberations via the twitter file showed that 
They purposefully censored information about Hunter Biden's laptop based on this hacked materials clause that they didn't even know whether it was legitimate or not. Yet they went with it anyway. And that the Biden campaign and the Trump White House had direct lines to Twitter. Based on the emails, actions were taken quite swiftly when it came to the Trump campaign. And, or, and, uh, or complaints from the Biden campaign about pro-Trump tweets, including James Woods, who is going to try and sue the DNC. Uh, we have more on that over at our Free Speech America section. So Robert Costa merely tried to downplay it, saying Trump's latest comments were in response to a report by journalist Matt Taibbi that showed Twitter employees deliberating in October 2020 about how to handle a New York Post article about a laptop belonging to Hunter Biden, President Biden's son. Yes, Nick, a laptop. Just just a laptop. A but laptop. It's, it's, it's like when, when you're saying deliberating about what to do, it's like something's going on. We're going to deliberate about how we we're going to respond. Again, they responded and then tried to figure out their their story about why they took the actions that they did after the fact. So it isn't like them deliberating about what they're going to do in the future. It's we did something. We got to figure out how we justify it. And then he added, Tybee also reported both the Biden campaign and the Trump White House communicated with Twitter about content. Tried to say it was a both sides issue, whereas Taibbi showed that an email from the great Mike Hahn of Team Trump fell on deaf ears. He was like, guys, what's going on? Why are you censoring us? Like, Kayla McEnany's Twitter account. Twitter was like, we'll be right back with you. Wink, wink. It's like, of course they have, like, those direct lines. It's just like, who's... Whose calls are they picking up the most? Yes, most it's frequently? nice to it's nice to have famous people's numbers in your phone, but the question is, would they actually pick up your pick mm. up? Exactly. Or else it really doesn't really mean a whole lot. Are they going to answer your text? It sounds like the case of uh, Twitter. You know, just not interested. Was not interested in what the Trump campaign had to say. And 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 they note in these things in their like sort of discussions about how to justify this. They know it's like no place has has said that these are hacked materials. The New York Post doesn't allude to any sort of idea that these were hacked from a computer or anything like that. So there's no evidence that it was, yet they took this action anyway. Why didn't they take this action when the New York Times got that bundle of Trump's tax records mailed to them. Those could have been hacked from somebody's computer. That could have been hacked from his accountant's computer. Yeah, and they don't they, know. And they we don't know. know. They just show up at the New York Times and they let that story get out. There. Yeah, it was later came out and probably came from Mary Trump. But the point is, yeah. we didn't know at the time. Exactly. So. In both cases, you don't know where they're coming from. It's a non like it, it's sent, it, well, in the laptop instance, we know where it came from because the guy who's handing them out says, oh, I'm the computer repairman. But in, in the the tax records case nobody sent they got sent anonymously yeah so there's there's a bit more of a trail with one than the other yeah what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah and then so then we move on to tuesday and we had mr tybee was back again i should point out for a second tybee has been wholly red-pilled i should point out if you like find their taxonomy term matt tybee if you just google matt tybee newsbusters you're gonna find some funny stuff he said some really whacked up stuff we had mm-hmm. some funny pictures of him. He's a guy we kind of err lampoon him a little bit. Uh, you know, he's an example of a kind of guy who has stayed where he is, but the left and his colleagues in the media have continued moving left. You know, it's kind of the Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Democratic Party didn't. You know, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was not picked up by the broadcast networks. Not surprisingly. 
Special report with Brett Bear had a full story, thanks to Jillian Turner, about how James Baker, James Baker, lawyer for Jim Comey. I thought that name was familiar. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the criticism you could level at Taibbi, which is like, you didn't know who Jim Baker is, like, or you didn't notice. Or Bra- Musk. Or yeah. Musk didn't notice. Yeah, these guys didn't notice. Until Barry Weiss pointed out, like, um, guys, what's going on here? Uh, who's this Jim guy? We should know who he is. Jim Baker, who then also went on to be a CNN analyst. And at the supposedly Republican, Libertarian, Right of Center, R Street Institute think tank. Useless. Was apparently still Twitter's deputy general counsel. I guess all the money he had made uh, allowed him to weather the storm and he had somehow continued to be the one rat still aboard the ship. So Elon made sure he was thrown overboard because uh, he was asked by a Twitter user, you know, what did you think of, did he try to explain himself? And I believe Musk said something to the effect of he found it insufficient. That Musk, uh, that Taibbi and Weiss had been receiving these records via Jim Baker himself. So I try to follow the logic here. So we had interference about documents pertaining to election interference. Yeah. The swamp never stops. This people, you know, that's why I always you adopt the Logan Hall or Jesse Kelly approach of just crushing, crushing and crash and burn. Uh, the swamp. So then we move on to the White House press briefing. Uh, we had Corrine Jean-Pierre, who seemed to have taken the Bill Clinton approach to things. Let's take a listen to that. Look, we see this as a, a an interesting or a coincidence, if I may, that uh, uh, that he would so haphazardly, uh, Twitter would so haphazardly push this distraction. Uh, that is a that is a full of uh, old news, if you think about it. Um, and uh, at the same time, Twitter is facing very real and very serious questions uh, about the rising volume of anger, hate, and anti-Semitism on their platform, and uh, how they're letting it happen. And, uh, you know, the president said last week, more leaders need to speak out and reject this. And uh, it's very alarming and very dangerous. So as you can tell there, again, that is the Bill Clinton approach, Mr. Fondacaro, which is say something is full of old news. We know everything about what's going on with Twitter and that Twitter didn't like what was going on with the New York Post and that they censored it. So who cares? I did not have sexual relations with that laptop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not that, not that Bill yeah. Clinton argument. Okay. No. Okay. Yes. Totally <laughs> deny, deny, deny. Oh, oh. The deny, deny, deny. Yeah. Why are you wasting time on this? You're not focused on the American people, etc. It's not like Biden's focusing on the border crisis at all when he's in Arizona. But anyway. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point as well. So then we move to Thursday night, where we are now, and he had Barry Weiss on. Uh, Barry Weiss had a uh, long Twitter thread. This is the juicy stuff. This was like, we're cooking with gas here. You know, as, as a lot of you may know by now, she cited uh, four examples. Jay Bettacharya, our friend Dan Bongino, Charlie Kirk of Turning Point USA, and the great libs of TikTok. 
So based on screen caps that she had received with her team of the free press, they had applied secret labels to different Twitter accounts that they didn't like. Jay Bhattacharya, for example, was hit with Trends Blacklist. And he had been listed as having a recent abuse strike. So, in other words, a complaint about his account. Now, Dan Mangino, this one's really interesting. I don't think people have noticed this one. Uh, He's been hit with a search blacklist, so people can't search his name. But this one, in Libs of TikTok, now Libs of TikTok, you can make a case. NSFW View. Not safe for work view. Oh, what is Dan Bongino doing? I don't know. Our friend Dan, people thought Dan was doing something else. Trying to discourage people. He's too sexy for work. He's too sexy for work. Oh, my gosh. I guess I guess Dan should take that as a compliment. I don't know. I don't know. I just bring that up because I've noticed in the media coverage, nobody's mentioned that. I'm like, it's right there and along with all the other ones. I'm like. Charlie Kirk also on NSFW. Meanwhile, there's like there's like OnlyFans girls on this website that are posting like very risque pics and stuff, and they get they around. probably get hit with it too. Like, but yeah. Dan Bongino, Charlie Kirk, I see here as well, and Libs of TikTok would be hit with this. So Charlie Kirk was hit with uh, "Do Not Amplify." Do Not Amplify. Now, what Weiss pointed out was really important here. Vijay Gadahi and Kayvon Perkapoor, head of product and uh, head of legal policy and trust, uh, saying, quote, we do not shadow ban. We certainly don't shadow ban based on political viewpoints or ideology. That's. And then you get in the lawyer legalese, as she pointed out, quote, what many people call shadow banning, Twitter executives employees called visibility filtering. Visibility filtering. Oh. And and this is the part where like a lot of the naysayers are sort of harping on. They're just like, oh, this is sh-. like like of course they like in their terms of service. This says they 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 have the ability to to filter what it is you see. And yeah, let and me like, re- let me read yeah. that. Yeah, from Twitter's terms of service. I mean, you had Ashley Feinberg, you had Tom Nichols, you had Ben Collins, uh, you had uh, Will Oremus, you had Mike Masnick. Uh, among a few others. The usual suspects. Yeah, the usual suspects. And this is what it says in Twitter's terms of service on a, under abusive and spammy behavior. Quote, when abuse or manipulation of our services reported or detected, we may take action to limit the reach of a person's tweets. Now, you can take that and you can say, okay. But the problem is... We, there's no definition about what that means. Yeah, there's no explanation of it. And then when they're when they're pressed on those, what particular actions they do take, like what you were reading about the blacklisting and about about the shadow banning, um, they 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 have vocalized publicly that these things are not how they go about doing it. When in behind the scenes and in the code, that is exactly how they do it. Right. Exactly. I mean, so like, so these people can claim that like we're like that we're just clutching pearls and sort of making mountains out of molehills with this. It's it's not. They they literally are caught doing what they say they don't do. A version of the content moderation that 
of course that there always is like even elon musk has said if somebody's tweets are violating the law calling for actual violence against somebody they're going to take it down so because of course that's a reasonable action to take in those scenarios which is why they have it in the terms of service right exactly and it's clear based on like what the evidence coming out that they are taking these actions against certain political views just because they disagree with them politically. Yeah, and it's not because of abusive or spammy behavior, although you may think Nick and I sent doing long Twitter threads about the view in the White House press briefing may feel spammy sometimes. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Uh, it's not spam, folks, and it's not abusive. This gets into the whole silence is violence in words, you know, Yeah. break my heart, you know, sticks and stones won't break my bones but words can't break my heart apparently they didn't learn that in school yeah so that's been a huge problem one of the ones with libs of tiktok though is where this is where things got really juicy she had you know trends blacklist recent abuse strike multiple accounts strike count she was on to nsfw she had been suspected suspected uh subjected excuse me to six suspensions in 2022 but she also, at the top of her account, internally at Twitter, had this message. Do not take action on user without consulting with S-I-P-P-E-S. Ha! Huh. Apparently, above even the content moderation team, they had this super secret club of Twitter executives that could unilaterally make decisions regarding someone in terms of the shadow banning and censoring of accounts. Yep. Not included one Jack Dorsey, which would uh, fly in the face of what he has told us, which is uh, does not bode well for him. Does not bode well for many of these people saying we don't shadow ban. Um, Jack Dorsey said in 2018, quote, we don't shadow ban and we certainly don't shadow ban based on political views. Oops. And then he told Sean Hannity a month later in August 2018, we do not shadow ban according to political ideology or viewpoint or content, period. Oops. Even though it was interesting, in 2022, he said he said it was correct of Dinesh D'Souza to say that Twitter has sens censorship has been deployed as a one-way operation against conservatives. So either Jack Dorsey saw the light somewhere along the way or was talking out of both sides of his mouth. It, a thought that I had, too, it could also be of like he... They approached him with this idea for this committee, the, this this extra board, and he probably didn't like the sound of it unless he was on it, and then he was a part of it, and maybe they didn't even bring certain things to his attention. Right, because that's been some of the some of the reporting, I believe, from Matt Taibbi and even others before this. Like they they're, they were keeping it like outside of his radar intentionally, so he wouldn't come down in any certain way because he's been. Because he's had like he's these kind of friendly, a hipster libertarian a little bit, you know. You just look at the guy. Just look at that hat. And, and, the no, and the nose ring and the beard, the whole the whole package, the yeah. whole package is uh, is definitely a problem. I don't know. I don't understand why he hasn't gotten a uh, sexist man of the year yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yoel Roth, uh, finally, at the bottom of her thread, goes through this notion uh, saying that the team this is this was back in early 2021. He said, quote, uh, the team needs to do more to look at expanding, quote, non-removal policy interventions. 
non-removal policy interventions, mm. like disabling engagements and deamplification slash visibility filtering. The hypothesis underlying much of what we've been implementing is if exposure to, for example, mis misinformation directly causes harm, we should use remediations to reduce exposure. And limiting the spread virality of content is a good way to do that. See, this is where you run into problems where people's voices aren't being allowed to participate in the public square. They're being locked away in a jail on the outskirts of town saying, oh, oh, you're in the public square. You're in the town. You're part of the town, but not really. You know, whereas people want just consistency here. One of the big things since Free Speech America has been launched that our founder and president Pepozel has really preached is transparency. Lay out the information. Will Chamberlain of Human Events, I believe a member of uh, the uh, Free Speech Alliance, has pointed out the fact that we need a list of that there's reportedly a little over 200 accounts on a shadow ban list. He's called on Elon Musk to release them. I think that's a fair point. I'm I'm interested as somebody who has been banned, who who's gotten suspended. Well, we both have. Yeah, like when I, I would like to see what sort of markings have been placed on my account when it came to like when I had criticized Don Lemon and got suspended for a little bit. I I want to know like what 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 labels have been put on me. So hopefully they they will release all this all this stuff as well, and maybe there could be like an explanation for occasionally why we just lose mass amounts of followers. Right. Yeah. And as I pointed out off the top, this did not receive coverage. So we're still stuck at just 26 seconds on CBS Mornings. And, and, and to remind folks, with that 26 seconds on this, this Twitter is the, like, the number one app used by journalists, right? Like, this, like by far, most journalists use Twitter as a way to like, forward their reporting. If something and is big on Twitter, they assume is real life. Well, not just that. It's 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 like this. This is the app that journalists love. Like they they love to be able to 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 spout off on this. Have like their little groups of like minded people that they can like boost each other's engagement and posts. So they don't like they they don't want to expose that this is what they were a part of and promote in a certain way. And I just have to say regarding the laziness, the griping. The belly aching from the Tom Nicholses of the world. The people freaking out about this just as a further example of the decline in the rule of experts. Decline of expertise. Thank you for showing us how or reminding us that you don't care about us. You believe the First Amendment only applies to you. The First Amendment applies to all of us. We have a right to say you suck. We have a right to say a bunch of other things. We're not threatening to kill you. And being critical of the press and those in power should not equal a death threat and does not. There's a difference between the work of Clarissa Ward going to, like, Yemen, avoiding Saudi and Iranian airstrikes, and Ben Collins and Brian Stelter and Jim Acosta having their feelings hurt. You know... The funniest take had to have been Brandy Zardoni last Friday, 11th hour, with Stephanie Rule, in which she claimed, this actually makes Twitter look good. You know, you start to wonder, I'm like, 
is she like is she related to somebody or they what well it looks it, it shows twitter on it makes twitter under elon musk look good because he's doing the right. transparency <laughs> that they need to have and 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 shining the light into the dark crevices that needs to be shown under twitter under elon musk this is showing them to be good right it, it's uh it's pretty comical what they're what they're doing here and i should point it i i just need to point out uh Instead of looking at the second batch of Twitter files, they spent about six minutes and 44 seconds, the networks did, Good Morning America, Today Show, CBS Mornings, on Trevor Noah saying goodbye. Trevor Noah saying goodbye. Which I want to briefly touch on, switch gears here, uh, as we'll have a lot more Twitter content throughout the weekend here at Newsbusters. The Free Speech America team will be working on it. We will probably have some more pieces. Alex will be in tomorrow. Uh, Kevin will be in on Sunday. So we'll have you. Uh, we'll have you tied down. We'll have all kinds of uh, all kinds of goodies for you. Um, our Alex Christie did a phenomenal study looking at Trevor Noah's reign. Mm. I I, right. I would have more to add for this segment, but I, as with most Americans, never watched his show. <laughs> Neither we do. We care. <laughs> Don't care. Uh, we just have to say that he went through his entire show. He found, had 159 partisan guests, including 109 different people. But of the 159 guests total, 86% were Democrat or in some way affiliated with the Democratic Party. How about that? Um, and we have a great video there. Uh, number one appearance. For Trevor Noah, Stacey Abrams with five. <laughs> Tied for second, a little bit more surprising. Kristen Gillibrand, Cory Booker, and Amy Klobuchar with four each. But at three, a little bit more uh, not as surprising. Van Jones, Susan Rice, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and Chris Christie. The only uh, Republicans who appear on the show were Chris Christie, Tim Scott, Rand Paul. And he threw in John Kasich, but I... He, is, is he really a Republican? Uh, mm, mm. So Stacey Abrams was on five times. That that's she sure has a lot of free time for the governor of Georgia for being the governor of Georgia. And she has a children's book coming out too. I think that <sighs> yeah, this month. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive to be honest with you. Um, so we had that. Alice Christie's really been hard at work at that. I did a really deep dive yesterday looking at. The way the lefty media exploited the mental health crisis in the Cruz family. You can look that up online. We won't say or what the, yeah, the, the details, but just so that we, folks know. The media is just sick. ABC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, PBS actually haven't covered it on their newscast, which at least they did something for once. Neither are the major papers, New York Times, Washington Post, USA Today. But we still found some humdingers. I'll, I'll amend my, my statement to some in the media are really sick on this. Right. I mean, The Root, they ended up deleting this post. There's no record of it from the interwebs, except from yours truly. Outwardly homophobic fathers paints a concerning picture, is what they were talking about. And they said generally a lack of parental acceptance increased the likelihood of suicidal thoughts and depression in LGBT youth. It's pretty gross. Um, they wonder. Social media users asked if Cruz's hate campaign 
drove his daughter's mental health crisis. I was editing this piece for Curtis, and it was just making me angry as I read it. Right. I mean, this is, it's just pure slime bringing in a private citizen's mental health, you know, to score political points against a guy who you probably, yeah, it's safe to say the media hate Ted Cruz more than most Republicans. I mean, obviously Donald Trump's way at the top and then like Ron DeSantis. But like Ted Cruz is like really, really close to the top. In terms of the media hate. And the thing that's been like, that's sort of angering me about it too, is like they try to justify this by comparing it to Republicans and the Hunter Biden stuff. One of them is an adult. The other one's a minor in school. Right. I mean, this is weird, you know. Uh, The Trump children were, the exception of Barron, yeah, they're middle-aged adults just like Hunter Biden. You know, one of them worked in the White House, Ivanka Trump. Hunter Biden is 52. (laughs) Hunter Biden is 52 years old. I thought he was older. That's what drugs, don't do drugs, kids. That's a great advertisement. A 52, like commenting on a 52-year-old adult versus she's, his daughter's 14. 14. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's a little bit of a difference. Just got into high school, so like a little bit of a difference, you know. I mean, this is it should be pretty clear. Um, but I have that out there. Uh, there's some fun stuff, stealth editing by the Deseret News. You want to check that out as well. And finally, uh, Nick, we want to go to uh, something you worked on. Oh yeah, yesterday mm-hmm. with Bill, our great Bill Diagostino. You want to share? With uh, yeah, so basically, me and Bill, yesterday was kind of slow because the media were actually doing a fairly decent job covering the uh, the Brittany Griner release. They were they were pointing out that Whelan's still over there, and they were questioning, like, why would you release the the, the Merchant of Death for her? Even like as our Kevin Tober reported last night, the networks were actually critical of it, asking like, "This is a guy who tried to kill Americans, and he's going to go back to trying to do this again and again." And they, they were actually critical of, of the swap for, for, for in this case. So the media have been doing a pretty good job generally. So when in those cases when the media are doing a good job and there's a Democratic president, what we like to do here at Newsbusters is go back and be like, let's find the most applicable instance of a Republican doing something similar and seeing how they acted back then. So me on that hunch, Bill and I went and looked at how they covered Donald Trump. And when he help negotiate the release of three Americans out of North Korea. And we found that the media in, in general were approaching Trump's releasing of getting the, uh, the Americans out of North Korea with sort of like this, on this scale of just sort of lukewarm praise to just outright annoyance. Like they were very uh, opposed to him getting sort of this win. They were afraid he was going to use it for for the midterms coming up and basically just they they were definitely they were just vocally just out in the open just opposed to him getting this political victory and they were worried like oh like uh, so when they came down off the plane and they were they're like oh look he this is he this is a, a completely staged event by the a reality TV star president. Meanwhile, Biden, all presidents do this. They 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 go to Andrews Air Force Base, where when the when the prisoners arrive and they they bring them down off the 
off the plane and they go and they talk to the press if they want to and the president's there to welcome them home. This is, every president does this when they manage to get hostages released, American hostages released overseas, from overseas. President can do whatever they want. Yeah, like this, 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 is, this is the standard thing for presidents and they treated it as like this totally bad thing for Trump and now they're, they have like the total three, 180 flip on, on it for Biden. And basically calling it his major victory. This is a great victory for America. But when Trump was did it, it was, oh, no, Trump's going to get this election boost bounce for the midterms. Right. The one that I, I really <laughs> the one that I loved was uh, the one where you guys mentioned that in 2018, when hostages were released, there was a hostage release in May 9th. And on that world day's world news tonight, Jonathan Carl pointed out that there are anti-American protests in Iran, yes. uh, and lawmakers there are questioning the president's mental capacity. Ooh, yeah. look, protesters in Iran, yeah. the death cult, yeah, think like we do. Woo-hoo. Yeah, David Muir basically was just sort of like, oh, he got them released, and but don't guys like he he may have got an American's home, but he's he's pissing off. Uh, Iranians and they're chaining anti-American stuff over here. Like, look at this. Right. Well, and the other one that sim right behind it as well was Joe and Mika wondering if uh, it was nice, whether it was nice of Kim Jong-un to release three men that President Trump had recovered. Uh, was he nice to imprison them in the first place? As if there's some sort of implication that, you know, either A, he's... Cause, yeah, because basically Trump said that, that he was nice, that Kim was nice for releasing them and they got upset that he's using sort of it's like they just finished the negotiations. They got them out. You might need to use some flower, no, flowery language just to sort of smooth things over while this is going on. Yeah. Instead, the media just yeah. completely lose their minds. I mean, there's a complete double standard uh, there as and, well. And uh, although I will say, since then, the media, you know, our Kevin Tober has written, and I noticed this as well on the Friday morning shows, they made clear to mention that this was a precedent being set. By the net or precedent being set by the administration, you had the AP Sun and Kim, uh, MG Lee of CNN, uh, I believe a few others yesterday at the White House press briefing, uh, really pressed the administration on this that we'll give back a convicted arms dealer trying to who tried to kill Americans, ran guns and all sorts of other weapons around the world for an American citizen. So what's to stop uh, for you know? a less than friendly country from just seizing Americans to get back people that they want that actually broke our laws yeah. and that could be brought up on trumped up charges in that country. And the administration has had no good answers for that. They've had no good answers for that. And other than that, President Biden, you know, understands and believes that he will do everything he can to keep Americans safe, blah, 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 blah. I, I don't like it's hard to believe them when they say that kind of thing or that. Wheeland is Wheeland wasn't on the table for the Russians and like they would only give us Griner for the merchant death when they left Amer like when the, this administration left Americans in Afghanistan hundreds of Americans in Afghanistan right there's no credibility yeah. there's no credibility so uh folks just so to to recap here yeah we've, we've we've I mean we've gone all around the world we've done talked about Russia we've talked about uh stuff here in the u.s we, we've talked about trevor noah uh we got iran north korea we've covered all kinds of things so 
particular, stay tuned uh, for more on the Twitter files. Um, you know, now that the Jim Baker situation has been resolved, uh, you could tell a difference in the quality of the product that was put out, Nick, just to, to get one final thought. Um, it seems like it was much more organized. There was a much more cohesive message. Um, conservatives may be asking yourself, your, yourself right now, this all seems like things that we figured were the case. Well, yes. But the reality is, it shows that these people lied. It showed that they have no respect for you. It showed evidence so that we're not just saying we feel like this was the case. We have facts to back that up because, you know, we, we want to be the side of facts and arguments and evidence because the left says we're not. The left says we just make things up and that they are the side of democracy and truth. This allows us to push back on that. This is what real journalism looks like. If you notice in both of those threads, they had quotes from current and former employees to go with the Twitter files instead of lazily just reporting, oh, we have, here's this screen cap, and then this screen cap, and then this screen cap. No, no, no. They had additional reporting. They chased after the story. If journalists like Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi were journalism professors, I think trust in the media would be a lot higher. So, for Nick Fondacaro, for Alex Christie, Kevin Tober, Joey Vasquez over at Free Speech America, who uh, has been doing a lot of the, the work on the Twitter files for us there, I'm Curtis Houck. Tim will be back on Monday. We'll see if there's more Twitter files. Maybe not. Uh, but regardless, come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.